Well, I want to add my welcome to everybody here. Everybody here in the auditorium, the atrium, all of you joining us online and everybody up at our Fort Collins campus. And Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful holiday. And can you believe it's 2019? I mean, is it just me or does time seem like it's flying by? You, you know, I don't know if you've thought about this, but if you're the average American uh, using a clock as a illustration, do you know how many years you have left? If you're 22 years old, it's like 8.20 in the morning. If you are 32 years old, it's like 11.20 in the morning. This is based on life expectancy in the United States. That means you've got 2,122 weeks left. If you are 42 years of age, it's 3.20 in the afternoon. If you're 52, it's like 11.20 at night. You've got 1,090 weeks left. Some of us, uh, you know, we're in the final countdown. I know. Uh, but you know what the point is? Whatever we're gonna do with our life, whatever we're gonna do with our life, we better get on with it because time is running out. I, I heard someone say, I put instant coffee in my microwave and almost went back in time. <laughs> that is not possible, not possible. But the point is, if we're not doing something positive and productive with our life, if we're not pursuing the dreams God has given us in this life, if we're doing nothing to make a difference in this life, it doesn't really matter how much longer we have to live. I mean, it's an old story, but a, a woman by the name of Lisa Rotgrat, she wrote a book, Death Warmed Over, and it's kind of an odd book. It's a cookbook, and it's also a study of funeral meals and rituals. And she opens a book by telling a story about a guy that was at home, and he was on his deathbed. He was dying. And when he smelled chocolate chip cookies being baked downstairs, and they were his favorite cookie, and he thought, if I could just have one more chocolate cookie before I die, I would, that'd be the best thing. And you know what he did? He dragged himself out of bed. He rolled his own body down the stairs, crawled into the kitchen, and he was reaching up with a trembling hand to take one more cookie when he felt a spatula slap his hand. <laughs> Put that down, his wife said. Those are for the funeral. That's bad. But you had no control over the day you came into this world. Nobody said, hey, you ready to be born? You had no control over it. Nobody asked you if you were ready to be born. No, they just said, here, it's time, ready or not, here you come. And we, have, we don't have a whole lot of control about the day we leave this earth. We don't. But between your first day of life and your last day, oh, what your life is like, that is mainly up to you. If your life on this earth is a blessing or a curse, that is mainly up to you. And if 2019 is better than 2018 in your life, that's mainly up to you. If this coming year is the best year of your life, that is mostly up to you. That's something you will determine. And that's what this series this series fresh, it's what it's all about that we're entering into. This is really our January series. Four weeks, we're gonna be looking at topics about maximizing our lives 
in 2019. So that 2019, and I really believe this, it can be the best year of all of our lives, regardless what we faced in the past. That's what we'll be talking about in this series. And I hope you sign on for the entire series. And in fact, there's a bookmark in your program right there. It says fresh on it. Bible readings, all kinds of very good stuff. Every week it'll be in there to engage in this series. And I hope you take advantage of that and you sign on. But I want to talk tonight. I want to talk about how to have a fresh start. How to have a fresh start. How to have a new beginning in 2019. And I believe that these principles we're going to look at, I believe you put them in place in your life. This really can be the best year of your life. It really can be. You could write these down. Here's the first one. This is the first one. I must take responsibility for my life. I must take responsibility for my own life. And that's not a popular concept today. I mean, none of our problems are our fault today, right? Everything the bad that happens to us, you know, don't we often think it's somebody else's fault? You know, we say, oh, that can't be my fault what happened. And we start targeting things. You know, it's the boss's fault. It's that spouse. It's those parents I had. You know, it's the government. It's those Democrats, those Republicans. It's the school system. You know, it's Satan's fault. Large number of adults today. They fail to take responsibility for their life. I mean, if we're grumpy, what do we say? I got up on the wrong side of the bed. If failure plagues our life, we go, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. If other people experience more success than us, we go, oh, I was born in the wrong birth order in the family. I got toilet trained too early. You know, if somebody gets a promotion that we wanted, what do we say? Oh, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. You'll never be a success in life. You'll never experience the best in 2019 with that kind of attitude. No, we've got to learn to take responsibility for our life. And Paul wrote about this in Galatians 6.5. This verse in the notes there, it's up on the screen. Why don't we read this out loud together? Here we go. Each person is responsible for their own conduct. Let's read it again. Each person is responsible for their own conduct. That's the truth. It's true, and it really, it, I mean, we are responsible for our life. I mean, there's three kinds of people in life, and you can write these down. I say there's accusers, there's excusers, and there's choosers. Let me explain it. Accusers, they blame everybody for all their problems. Their favorite thing to say is, that's not my fault, not my fault. It's never their fault, not at all. Those are accusers. Excusers, they got a rationale. For everything that bad that happens to them. Man, if I, pro, I, I, when I procrastinate, I can have all kinds of excuses for why I'm doing that kind of thing. We need to be the third one. We need to be choosers. Choosers. Choosers are people who say, I take responsibility for my life. I take responsibility for my life. I'm not, I'm not dependent on somebody else. I'm not dependent on the crowd. I choose the direction of my life. I choose to accept responsibility for my life. If we do that, this first one, I think we're a jump ahead in 2019. And you know, often over the years, the first weekend of uh, the year, I've often quoted a pastor friend of mine who does the, he does basically the same sermon in his church 
first weekend of the year, every year. It's basically called Attitude is Everything. And at the end of the message, he does this every year. The people there in the church, they know what he's going to do. He has everybody in the church stand. And he says to them, he says, brothers and sisters, we don't know what's going to happen to us this year. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, this next year may bring prosperity. It may bring nonstop adversity. We have no control over what happens to us, but we have control on how we react to it. And he says, I call us all to have an optimistic, hope-filled attitude before God this year. I call you to that. I ask you to sign up for that right now. And everybody, everybody takes the pledge. And they all say, I will take responsibility for my life. And I think it serves his church, and I think it serves everybody in that church very well. I mean, you want to make the most of the year. Take responsibility for your life. Here's the second thing. Believe I can change. Believe I can make changes in my life. Sounds simple, but it's profound. It is, because there's a lot of people, they'd like things to be different in their life. They'd like things to be different than they are right now. That's a whole lot different than believing at the core of our being. Those changes I want to make in my life, I can make those changes. I can make that a reality. Sometimes we make changes. We want to make change. I mean, New Year's resolutions, right? They're popular. We do those because we want to change. You know, people say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get in shape this year. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to work out more. You know, I'm going I'm to read more. I'm going to take up a hobby. You know, I'm going to find that new job. I'm going to get that new house. I'm going to get that new girl. I hope I get that new girl and she gets that job and she, we get that house. <laughs> people say, I'm going to get in shape this year. I'm going to work out more. Other people say, if God meant for us to touch our toes, he'd have put them further up on the body. <laughs> Change begins with an act of the will. Change begins with a decision. Things are going to be different this year. They're going to be different. That's how it begins. I mean, look at what Jesus said. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 37. He said this. He said, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he or she does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskin will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. What is he trying to get, get across there? I'll give a shot at paraphrasing. This is it. If all you do is what you've always done, you'll always be where you've always been. You've heard that. That's what it is. That's what he's saying right there. If all you do is what you've always done in 2019, you do what you've always done in the past, you're going to always be where you've always been. Jesus is right. He's right when he teaches. We have to come to a point in our life when we go, I want things to be different. I want things to be different in my life. Then we've got to believe at the core of our being. We've got the power of God in us. We can make those changes that we want to make. We can make them a reality. We can do that. You can do that. I mean, here's a true story about... about uh, the establishment of the Nobel Peace Prize. Alfred Nobel, uh, some of you know, was a Swedish chemist and 
He made a fortune inventing dynamite and other explosives that were used for weapons. He made a fortune at this. And then one day, Nobel's brother died and a newspaper mistakenly printed that Alfred Nobel died. And they ran his obituary. They identified him as the inventor of dynamite. And they described him this way. They said he was a cold man that made a fortune by enabling people to kill each other in unprecedented numbers. And he couldn't believe what he read. He couldn't believe. He was shocked. He was shocked. He was shaken that this is how he was going to be remembered in his life, only as a person that invented mass death and destruction. And he took that newspaper's mistake and he reevaluated his life and he decided to change. And from that day forward, that day forward, he used his money from then on to award accomplishments that benefited humanity rather than destroyed it. And it worked. It worked, didn't it? I mean, at the front end of this story, if I said, what was Alfred Nobel most known for? Most people would say Nobel Peace Prize. Very few people would say the person that invented dynamite. But it wouldn't have happened if he hadn't taken that first step of taking responsibility for his life. It wouldn't have happened. And then the second thing, he believed at the core of his being that he could change his life. And he did. Here's the third thing, though. This follows along with that one. Number three, I must clarify what's important in my life. I got to take responsibility, decide I can change, but I got to clarify what is important in my life and what's not important. Look at what Job writes in Job 34, verse three and four. Job writes, the ear tests the words it hears, just as the mouth distinguishes between foods. And here it is. So let us discern for ourselves what is right. Underline, let us discern for ourselves what is right. That means we have to think about what we really want in life. And it's amazing, most people never do this. Most people never stop and sit down and write on paper or put on their computer what's really important to them. Most, most of us never do this. Most people have never written down, you know, what are my values? What are my values? What's important to me? What really counts in life to me? What, do, what has God created me to be in this life? Why am I here? Most people never write that down. It's never written down. We can't do what's important. If we don't clarify what's right, as Job said, if we don't clarify what's right, what's important, if we don't write it down, otherwise we don't write it down, you know what happens to us. We just get pushed around by all the pressures, the, the whirlwinds of life, all the have-tos that come upon us. And all of a sudden, we get to the end of a year and we go, what got done? What got done? And when I ask people, what's important to you? Or, you know, what do you value? Most people say, oh, I just want to be happy. But they've never really thought about what that is. I mean, what does that mean? What does it mean to, what, what? What does it mean to be happy? What's going to create that? So I've got homework. Homework, the first week of the year. Here's your homework assignment. You can write it down. It's going to take a little bit of time. I challenge everybody in this room, in the atrium, and Fort Collins, and uh, watching online to do this. 
Uh, it's going to take about an hour or more, more. You get alone, you have a pad of paper, or you have your laptop or on your phone, you make two columns, the top of one column, you write, what do I value? What do I value? In other words, what's important to me? That's one column. And you're going to fill it out. You're going to think about those things. And then the other column, what do I need to change? What do I need to change? And what do I want to change in my life? I mean, we've got to pinpoint exactly what those things are. What do I value? What do I want to change in my life? And then that becomes your prayer list for 2019. Right there. That's what you pay, pray about. And you put it somewhere where you could see it every day. Screensaver. Or you write it down and you put it up somewhere. And you think about it. You think what's important to you. And you get real specific about what you want to change. Then you watch God do miracles in your life this year. And you pray about that stuff. I mean, Jesus clarified what was important in his life. He did. Look at Luke 13, verse 31 and on. It says, look at this. It says, at that time, some Pharisees, they came to Jesus. They said to him, leave this place. Go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox, I'll drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. My goal. Jesus knew what was important. Jesus had a goal. And goals are important for the obvious reason. We can't hit what we're, what we're not aiming at. We can't hit what we're not aiming at. You want 2019 to count? Maybe better than any other year in your life? Clarify what's important. Clarify what's important. Then take that area where you want to be different, where you want to change, write a specific goal about how to make that change. Only when we spell it out specifically will, will it become a reality. Here's the fourth thing. We keep going. Want a fresh start? Number four, got to decide then to do it now. Got to decide then to make a start. Got to decide to act, to begin. If we're ever going to maximize our lives this year, we got to make a start. We got to do something. One of the great characters of the Bible was David. And God gave David the, the task of building the great temple in Jerusalem. And David took about that task, laid out all the plans, all the materials to build that temple to God. Then David knew more needed to be done. After he set the goal of building the temple, making all the plans, all the planning, strategizing, all of that, you know what he did? He gathered the whole team together, the whole construction team, gathered them together. Look at what he said to them. First Chronicles 16, 22. He said, now begin the work and the Lord be with you. Now begin the work. For many people, that's the most difficult step of all. That's the most difficult step of all right there. Beginning the work, doing something. Because in one sense, it's pretty easy to assume responsibility for our life or even to decide I'm going to make changes. You know, clarify what's important, write some goals. What's the real issue? Doing it, right? I mean, that becomes the issue. That's why the Bible says this, Proverbs 14, 23. All hard work leads to profit. Mere talk leads to poverty. 
I mean, there's many examples of this. I mean, there's millions of people that would love to write a book, love to write a novel. I mean, there's people right here in this room watching this who would probably say, I'd I, I know I have a novel inside of me. I'd love to write a book. I'd love to be a successful writer like Anne Lamont or, or John Grisham. And you know, many of you know the story how John Grisham actually became a writer leaving his law profession, writing A Time to Kill. He wrote about how he wrote his first book, how, to, how he wrote A Time to Kill. He said, I made up my mind. I was not going to be one of those people who just talked about writing a book, but that I was going to do it. So this is how he wrote A Time to Kill. He said, I set about the task by committing to write one page a day until the book was finished. No matter what, I would write one page a day, one page a day. I'd start with the first page, then I would write one page a day from that point on. I was going to start it, and I was going to do it. And moving from just talk to action, it's made John Grisham one of the most successful writers of the last 20 years. It all started with one page, one page at a time. And I know for, for some of us, uh, you know, some people are sitting here going, well, it's a little more complicated than that, you know, and, and I can get that. Uh, some of you are going, you know what, I, took a, I was willing to take the first step once. I took the first step. The problem was I took the step and started and it never went anywhere. Or maybe you've been bruised uh, by some tragedy in life that disrupted your life. Maybe uh, you experienced loss, loss of a, a spouse through death or divorce, or maybe the loss of a child or loss of a, a career, some other uh, event that has made you feel your life, it could never be as worthwhile as it once was. I've been there. I've been banged up by life. I've been banged up by other people. I've, been, I've done some things myself that created problems like that. I suspect many of you have been there. But today, today, perhaps at this very, this very moment, God's speaking to you and God's calling you to begin again. God's calling you to a fresh start, a new beginning, to experience new and a new and exciting phase of your life that you never imagined before. God's calling you to that. But you've got that voice. You might have a voice in your head, voice in your head that reminds you of every mistake, every failure you've ever made, every loss you've ever experienced. So you, you just don't have what it takes in you to try again. There could not be a bigger mistake you could make in your life than not trying again. Remember the sad but true story about, about uh, huge elephants in the old circus days? Sad story, what they used to do. They'd tie those elephants to little stakes of wood to keep them you know, from running off and it'd be like a puny uh, you know, 18 inch piece of wood. And people that saw it, they all wondered they go, why doesn't that elephant pull that little stake of wood out of the ground and take off? But elephant trainers know that when they were babies, they couldn't pull away from the little stake of wood. When they were babies, that stake of wood was strong enough to hold them in one place. Puny little 18-inch stake of wood, that was enough. 
And they would find out as babies, they weren't strong enough to pull themselves away. And the elephant concludes, they'll never be able to do it. Never in their life. And what we read about an elephant's memory is partly true. They never forget. And so it's true. So then when the elephant grows to be, you know, an adult elephant, when they're strong enough to pull the stake out of the wood, pull a whole tree out of the wood, they remain in one place captive to that puny 18-inch stake of wood year after year after year. And the application's obvious. We should never be like that. Never be like the elephant, even if we tried before. Even if we tried before, we try again. Don't give up. Don't give up. Make the start. Because this is a new day. I'll give you three words that'll change your life. Three words are do it now. Do it now. You don't wait for ideal circumstances to change. Look at what Ecclesiastes verse 11 or chapter 11 verse 4 says. You wait for perfect conditions, you never get anything done. Life has got to be lived under imperfect conditions or circumstances. Whatever you want to do with your life, whatever changes you want to make, whatever dreams you want to pursue, do it now. Get on with it now. And here's the final one. Final one, most important. Ask God for help. Ask God for help with all of this. Don't try to do this in your own power, your own strength. I mean, there's a fascinating verse in the New, New Testament. Apostle Paul writes this in Galatians 3.3. He says, are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, you're now trying to attain your goal? By human effort? God has power we don't have. And God's power is available to us if we ask for it. The Bible says we live and move and have our being in God. God's power is available to us if we ask for it. And it's important because there's a lot of changes that we want to make in our lives, a lot of changes I want to make in my life. I know they're not going to happen without God's power. They are just not. I know if I had to rely on my own strength, you know, my own self-discipline, my own willpower, you know, my own wisdom to attempt all the changes that I need to make in my life about lifestyle or character or habits or whatever, you know, I'd give up right now. I'm not strong enough. Maybe you are. I'm not. I'm not. And if you're like me, and I think most of us are, most of us are alike on this one. We don't automatically think of God's power, that God's power is available to us. We don't automatically ask for God's help. We don't. It's not something we naturally do. It's something we've got to learn to do. This is embarrassing for me. I've been a Christ follower many years. I've been a pastor over 35 years. And yet there's times in my life when, you know, I have some burden I'm carrying. I got some issue. And I try to deal with it in my own power. Then I get anxious and stressed out and worried and all of that. After all these years of being a Christ follower, one of the primary goals for me in 2019, one of my primary goals is just to cut the lag time between when I face a challenge in my life and when I ask for God's help and God's power. 
just going to cut the lag time between the challenge and when I pray about that thing and ask for God's help. I've given you this principle of the universe before. Principle of the universe. And this works. Works with toasters, vacuum cleaners, coffee makers. You name it. Principle of the universe. Things work better when they're plugged in. And so do you and so do I. And that, the only way we get God's power is by plugging in. Moment by moment, day by day. Being connected with God. Not just saying, I'm a Christ follower. Man, I'm trusting Jesus for my salvation. I know a lot of Christ followers. Oh, they don't have any power in their life. None. It's moment by moment. Daily connecting with God. Spending 10, 15 minutes with God every single day. Moment by moment. Plugging in with God. Trusting God. Believing that we live and move and have our being in God. And God is with us and God is for us. In every way. When you get plugged in with God like that, moment by moment, uh, that's, that's a basis for real hope. That's a basis for real change. And I want to make sure that, that we don't forget to ask God for help as we begin 2019. And, and so as I end, I want to take a few moments and I want us to do what the early church did in this first weekend of the year. You know, in the book of Acts, it says the the people of the early church, they came together and they prayed earnestly for God's help and for God's power in their lives. And, and I'd like to end by uh, inviting you, to, all of you, to do that with me. And You pray on your own. You pray on your own. But I encourage you to ask for God's power and God's help in some area of your life where you need it this first weekend of the year. I mean, maybe you're in a kind of prison right now, a prison of guilt or regret or temptation or addiction, drugs or alcohol. You need to be free, you need to be set free. Maybe you're facing a parenting challenge or a relational difficulty or maybe you're in a financial crisis or maybe you've got an illness, a health concern. Maybe you're concerned about the world that we live in. Maybe you have a, a, a dear person in your life, maybe a loved one. They're in the military in Iraq or Afghanistan. Or maybe they're a first responder. They're a firefighter or an EMT or they're a police officer like uh, Katie that was up here giving her story. Maybe that's a loved one of yours, a close friend. Maybe that's you in that situation. Maybe you're concerned about our nation. I mean, we live in a world in a day that desperately needs God's help. Maybe you're facing a real bleak situation this new year and you need God's help. Just for a few moments here, I want us to do what the early church did and earnestly pray for God's help and for God's power with, with all the trust and confidence that God allows. That we're gonna pray that God's power would be released in our lives in this next year. And we'll come out of these few moments of silence and by then the band will be out here and we'll sing together. But so right now, if you're willing, bow your head with me and bow your head with me and ask God to show his power in your life.